Six, seven, eight. Whoa, Luke, I am your father. Wait, here you want to sound like him? I am your father. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Raw Podcast. We do our three favorite things, talk a little bit of booze, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of basketball. Ian the Tall Guy, back with you again for episode number 61. Oh, 61. Dude, we are getting up there. We're we're like at the point where you start signing up for AARP card or something like that. <laughs> yeah. The Team Raw Podcast has officially reached seniority. Yeah. <laughs> officially reached seniority. We got new equipment. We're we're really we're getting official. I can yeah. feel it. We're we're getting we're getting more and more professional by the day while our content becoming less and less professional. That being said, we are three weeks in roughly of the NBA season. Each team's played about seven games or so, give or take. And uh, we're going to start instituting a new thing on our podcast where we kind of open, we do our opening remarks and we kind of chit chat at the beginning, but then we're going to dive into some news and notes of just what's going on around the NBA before we get into our actual content of the podcast. So Mitch has uh, done the research for our first, uh, you know, news and notes so far. So why don't you take it away? Welcome to the first news and notes from around the association. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I see some voiceover acting. All right. So we are going to start off with like one of the biggest quotes that has been running around uh, the media today is Marcus Smart came out and was kind of bashing on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, specifically saying that they have been having a hard time passing out to their teammates in crunch time situations. The way it came out when he was talking about it seemed much more like he's not trying to oust or like they talk shit openly about Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. He's like, look, they're young. They're just kind of trying to figure it out right now. Yeah. I mean, this is coming off a, a loss that the Celtics had, and it was probably one of the worst losses in, uh, in the NBA so far this year, they were up big going into the fourth quarter and were outscored. I believe it was 28 to nine Ugh. or something like that in the fourth quarter. Um, it was the first time in NBA history that a team was up 14 points or more going into the fourth quarter and then proceeded to lose the game by 14 points or more. Oh, that is, <laughs> that is brutal. So that's kind of the preface of um, why Marcus Smart was talking about them uh, in the post game. Now we're going to jump to our next topic, and that is Ben Simmons. Even even more Ben Simmons drama is going on in Philadelphia. Um, ben Simmons is reportedly uh, not very pleased with how the Sixers have been handling him, and the Sixers have been not very pleased about the lack of communication that's coming from Ben Simmons' camp. Yeah, um, today it came out that the Sixers are, are becoming more and more frustrated with Ben Simmons because – he suffered a back injury, and then he said he mentally wasn't ready to play an NBA game. And so the 76ers made it aware and, you know, available to him some team psychiatrists, some team some team help to help him with mentally and physically with both of his uh, – both all the issues that he's suffering. Ben Simmons has ghosted them, not wanted to, you know, deal with any of it. So the 76ers are like, we're giving you stuff, you know, we're giving you options here, and you're just not taking them. But – on the other side of the coin, we got happy news, not just sad news in our news and notes. Um, Tyler Hero is absolutely scorching the earth right now. He has scored 157 points through his first seven games. That is the most by any reserve ever in the history of basketball. Yeah, the the, the, the guy who's head and shoulders above everyone, anyone else in this early season for the uh, sixth man of the year award, and he has looked dangerous. They played the Mavs tonight, and he was on fire there was there was a stretch there where he made three or four threes in a row and just was able to get to the cup while uh, while showing you know off the bounce you know from three also a mid-range game he's an, a complete offensive player still a bit to, a little bit to grow on the defensive end but and by no means is he in the echelon that he thinks he is with the that luca trey devin booker era but he is the best bench player in the nba so far this year it's funny i was just thinking about that quote that he said earlier this or uh, earlier in the off season where he's like, I think of myself in the same echelon as Trey young and Luka Doncic. And 
Now, I don't know if he's there. He's definitely playing like a guy that wants to be there. Yeah, he he, he came out on a mission, especially today. Now, Luca outscored him and, you know, outplayed him in today's game, but his team won, and he was a big reason why. And so he's having a great start to the year, and he's a, he's a fun player to watch. If you guys have league pass and have the opportunity to watch a Heat game, they're a very fun team to watch. Yes, definitely check out some uh, some Heat games. But before we get into our main, main content, let's talk about what we are drinking tonight. What, why don't you say it, Ethan? You, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see in my face. We are bringing a new type of liquor onto the podcast today, and this is our first vodka podcast. We are drinking Tito's Handmade Vodka today. Yeah, tonight was a, a little bit of what's left in the uh, uh, liquor cabinet sort of night, and we ran out of whiskeys. We typically do whiskeys. It's our more favorite things to do whiskeys, but I am a proponent of adding as many different types of liquor on this podcast as we can, and we will judge them all fairly but tonight we are starting with the very very popular tito's whiskey or tito's vodka yeah it's it's a fun one it's probably one of the more common vodkas out there it's it's a the perfect like middle shelf vodka is it super expensive not necessarily is it super cheap not necessarily it is the perfect middle ground when it comes to vodka all right so here's a little bit of history about tito's vodka this comes straight from their website by the way Tito's Handmade Vodka is America's original craft vodka. In 1995, Bert, a.k.a. Tito, Beverage, his last name is Beverage. That guy was destined for greatness. <laughs> uh, obtained the first legal permit to distill te- to distill in Texas, and that is what he created, Tito's Handmade Vodka. Uh, we batch distill our corn-based vodka using old-fashioned pot stills, and the vodka is naturally gluten-free. A little bit about this dude... He went to school at UT where he graduated with degrees in geology and geophysics. After college, he got into the oil and gas business. He did that in Texas and then found himself down in Venezuela and Colombia. I'm not totally sure what this means, but running heli portable dynamite seismic crews. I'm guessing helicopter like portable dynamite. Like he they're helicopter just dropping dynamite. bombs out of helicopters. I, I don't know. He's like helicoptering dynamite back and forth. Anyways, uh, he came back to Texas again and started drilling co- and started a drilling company in Houston. Eventually, he got tired of quote chasing the buck and decided to move to Austin when he uh, got the first permit ever and started distilling or first Texas liquor permit ever and started distilling Tito's vodka. Yeah, it's it's you know award winning on the back of their bottle there the unanimous double gold medal winning of the world spirits competition and on the back there's a quote from tito and it says in the mid 90 in the mid 90s i drew a line in the middle of a piece of paper to define my passion on one side i listed the things i was good at on the other side i the things i love to do in the intersection of those two teams was making vodka so i followed my passion and built my own distillery with the first functional legal distillery in the history of texas a few decades later, I, we were making vodka in the same place we started at the same attention to quality, still taking to the heart the run, still taking to the heart the run of the nectar, which I'm guessing is some sort of quote of something. But to us, handmade means we cook each batch until it's smooth and delicious, just the way I like it. So and okay, it ends so, with like a we do it with all of our close friends enjoy. So he made a tea like a tea bar like sheet. Like a pros and cons sheet, yeah. Basically. Pros and cons list, and it was and like, what am I good at? What do I like to do? And in the middle was making vodka. Down to, I'm rich, and I love getting drunk. Let's make vodka. Love it. And so we are not. <laughs> we don't have enough hair on our chest to drink vodka straight. So today we have one glass each of it with a mixer. I'm using lemonade. Mitch is using Sprite. No, and- this is a full glass of straight vodka. and then we also have like a little shot um for when we taste and we do our taste you know analysis we have an actual if we are going to drink we are going to attempt to get taste flavor out of the vodka so that'll that'll come later when we get to our halfway point per usual when we do when we talk taste but let's talk we are well into this podcast and let's talk about what we're going to talk about today for the podcast and today we are talking about the panic meter and the panic meter is something scary. It means that your team is underperforming. And we are going to go through six teams that we've, you know, handpicked that we think are under underperforming and rank them between, you know, like one and 10. How panicked are you? 10 being like, oh shit, 
sell the franchise. I'm like, yeah, hang it up. Like we are freaking (laughs) the f out. Like what the hell? And one being like, eh, we're fine. It's just a bump in the road. We'll we'll get this is nothing. We'll get over it type of thing. So we have six teams. Um, we have two Eastern Conference teams and then three Western Conference teams that are we are going to talk about today. Let's start with a Western Conference team, and we're going to start with the New Orleans Pelicans. All right, the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right out with my uh, my grade, and I am putting them at a nine point five. Wow, a nine point five out of ten. I thought about going to eleven, but I thought that that would be a little extra of me. So. The New Orleans Pelicans are in a pretty horrible situation because they're, they're not winning basketball games. They're currently 1 in 6, 14th in the Western Conference. Their last game they lost by 6 to the New York Knicks. So they're not winning basketball games. Um several of them have not been particularly close. Effectively everybody is healthy outside of Zion who obviously is a big minus. But I think that the Pelicans need to prepare for a world that exists without Zion Williamson. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anybody. But someone was telling me this the other day, and I I can see the correlations. He could be this generation's Greg Oden. Zion Williamson. Yeah. Wow. That is that is quite the hot take. When I heard it, I was like, "It's early. A lot of things can happen." He's. A lot of things can happen, but we are talking about a gigantic dude that has shown to have issues of key, like being able to hold on to his weight, plays crazy like athletic explosive, and already has a lot of injuries, like a lot of problems. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention the fact that he doesn't want to be on this team anymore. Yes. Yeah, aside from the point that even if he is playing, he may not even want to play for the Pelicans, which it seems like he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, this team is shooting 43% from the field on the year so far. They're shooting 33% from three and only averaging 104 points per game, which is uh, 21st in the NBA. Um, They are just, I mean, they're just brutally bad. I mean, they shoot, you know, 17th overall in three-point percentage at the 33%. So it's about middle of the pack, but they only shoot 33 attempts a game. So teams that shoot it less should make it more type of thing. In theory. You, you know, less volume <laughs> means more, you know, accuracy, hopefully, but not for them. This team is just an all-around mess. Um, they got rid of, you know, the um the Lonzo ball, you know, their creator, their yeah. their 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 playmaker, and it they don't have anyone to replace him. Um, they brought in Jonas Valanciunas to add spacing around Zion. He has played okay. He's had some good games, he's had some bad games. I mean, this team all in all is just kind of all over the place it's all over the place it has some vets that are here to help you win right now you know in the way of valentunas in the way of devonta graham these are guys that you thought were going to come in to make a big impact and play right you know you know fit right in with the rest of the roster and hopefully with a healthy zion but obviously zion is having his own issues and the young guys that you have on your team like kyra lewis like Nikhil alexander walker like uh um jackson hayes are not panning out right now. Like no. they don't look like they need what's one or uh, several of these guys need to like come and be like viable proven starters. And none of them have proven that. Yeah, no Kyra Lewis is averaging 4.6 points per game so far this year on, let's see here. 37% from the field. That is not his three point percentage. That is field goal percentage. Oh, man. That is brutally bad. Um, some other disappointments so far, Josh Hart only averaging nine points. Jackson Hayes, only only averaging six points and three rebounds. Jackson Hayes, come on. <laughs> Get some boards, man. Garrett Temple only averaging four points. Um, Herbert Jones has been a guest, a bit of a surprise with six points. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is averaging 14. Devontae Grahams has been a bright spot for them. And then you have Jonas Valanciunas and Brendan Ingram. But you do not have a creator on this team. Like, there's not a point guard. No. There's not a point guard on this team right now. Devontae Graham does his best work. Being off ball. off ball, but also like just creating his own shot. Like he does not create, even when he was with the Hornets, it was one of those things where he popped out of nowhere. So everyone thought he was like amazing. He's a 20 point per game scorer, but he can't create for others. He can create for himself, but you need someone to get someone else the ball on this team. And they have no one to, that can do that. Brandon Ingram has like a 30% usage rate. Like he's just getting the 
shit used out of them. And the team is not good enough around Brand Ingram to even be uh, com- like competing yeah, with and, other teams. Like, Brandon, Brandon Ingram's already playing 37 minutes a game. Too. Yeah. Like that's a lot of wear and tear early in the season for a guy to be one in six. Yeah. It's they are in a weird situation. And then when Zion comes back, they have a whole host of other issues that they've got to figure out along the lines of how does Zion fit with this team? How does he fit with our new head coach? Like, how are we going to use him a lot of on ball like they did at the end of the year last year when he started really playing well? Are they going to continue to play him off ball like he kind of prefers? They they have way more than just one issue, like one issue, fixing one issue just like creates another one almost. Yeah. And th- and that's what I was going to come in and say. My ranking was also a nine. I, I'm very, you know, panicked yeah. about the Pelicans because you bring back Zion. It doesn't solve your problem of Zion needs someone to get him the ball in his spot in order to score. You can't just hand Zion the ball and say, hey, go get a bucket. That's not how he works. He's he's the type of guy that you give him the bucket, the ball in his spot and he's automatic. Yeah, but you got to get him there. And there's no one on this team that can get him there. Exactly. You don't have the Lonzo ball that can just like loft up the alley-oops to him all season long. And then last thing on the Pelicans here. Even if like like if Zion can't play or Zion wants to be traded or whatever, they, I think that they the Pelicans are like one more bad scenario away from being moved, like oh, away, yeah. out of New Orleans. Like, like talk about panic meter. Like if your team isn't like for most teams, if they're not good, they're not leaving. The Pelicans, if they're not good, they're not going to be in New Orleans anymore. I mean, they don't have much of a fan base. That's that that city is the Saints city. It's a football city. Yeah, yeah. they play in probably the worst arena in the NBA. Smoothie King Arena is a dump. Yeah. It is falling That's apart. Gross. It is, I mean, it is just, you know, it's just falling apart. It's old. It needs to be renovated. And so the NBA, but the, they don't want to put the money into it because they're worried that they might be moved. And they, this isn't a new thing. The, their fear of Pelicans of the Pelicans being moved is a thing that's been going on for a few years in New Orleans. And so that is, uh, that is something that is definitely adding to our panic meter here. Let's move on to our next team. Let's talk about a a very underperforming uh, Eastern Conference team. Let's talk about the Indiana Pacers. Ooh, Pacers got your boy Rick Carlisle, ah, Ricky, as their head coach. Um, they have been healthy for the majority. Like they've got pretty much all of their stars, and their stars being Brogdon, Sabonis, who Sabonis has had a lot of really good games. By the way, Sabonis has been balling out. It's not like he's been playing bad. Miles Turner's been there. I believe Karis Levert's playing, right? Um, Karis Levert has played in two games. Okay, so he's recently back. What about Warren? Is Warren still out? Warren has. He's not showing up here on this. So maybe so I don't. Think so maybe he yet. hasn't played at all. I don't think he's played yet. But so they do if, got a couple injuries at the wings. If you're the Pacers, you are two and six. You're 14th in the East. The thing with the Pacers is like their roster isn't getting better. This is kind of your, your roster's not bad. I mean, you look at you look up and down this roster. I mean, Demontis Bonus, an all-star. Miles Turner, a great supplementary player. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, a one of the best like distributing just all-around point guards in the NBA. You have Karis Levert and TJ Warren, some great wings. You have some great bench players in TJ McConnell, Justin Holiday, Tory Craig, Jeremy Lamb. Like you have all the pieces here to be a good playoff team, yet you're like the second worst team in the East. Yeah. It it is a it is very scary to be a pacer right now because you're right they're they're not getting better this is your team and not only is this your team but your team is not young like they all of their guys are around the 27 28 range mark even chris duarte their rookie who is balling out this year is 24 he's like the oldest rookie ever so you got and a team that is aging that has had several years under its under its belt and in the last several years in the last couple of years have not been good like they barely made the playing game last season they're all getting older and they're not meshing and the new coach has not inspired something new in them yet now that that is where i get to my panic ranking like rank i guess i'm only giving them a 4 and here's why oh really yeah. i thought they were going to be way higher than that no i'm only giving them a 4 and that's because rick carlo is a damn good coach and it takes a while for teams with new coaches to kind of feel their way out. And I'm looking up and down their rankings here. Offensively, they're 10th in points per game. They're not that bad. You know, defensively, they, they, they have a lot to be desired, but Rick Carlisle's defensive schemes are difficult. And so it takes a little while for players to figure that out. Rick Carlisle will get this team going. They'll figure it out. 
Um, this, I mean, they, they this already is starting to look like a Rick Carlisle team. They don't get a lot of steals, but they don't turn the ball over very much. They shoot a lot of threes, but the, and, the, and this team's making them. They're the ninth best three point shooting team in the NBA this year. They're shooting the ball very well. So, it, it I mean, the teams they're playing against, for example, the teams that are playing against are shooting thirty eight point eight percent for them against them. So yeah, the teams are playing are shooting almost thirty nine percent from three. That is not something that's going. There's that shows me they're playing a lot of hot teams. They're playing against teams that are playing very well and shooting the ball scorching. So it, it with mix that with some bad luck, a new coach still trying to figure it out. They still have only had Karis Levert for two games. They're still waiting to get TJ Warren back. This team, a slow start. Don't get me wrong. They're on our panic meter list. So if you're on the <laughs> list, you're a little worried. Your panic is there, but I don't think you should be like, Oh my God, I am freaking out type of panic. I think that's totally fair. Um, I don't know why. I guess because of your hatred for Carlisle, I thought that you were going to be a little higher than. I don't hate Carlisle. You're just disappointed in Carlisle. I'm just sad about. Carlisle. <laughs> um, I had them at a five, right there, smack in the middle, not overreacting too much, but not underreacting too much. I think that this is a team that is aging, that has had a lot of years and hasn't really done a whole lot with it. it has other things outside of just this bad start that can ha- be cause for concern. That being said, a lot of their like, like losses have been really close. I mean, they lose to the Hornets by one. They lose to the wizards by one. They beat the heat. They are the only team to beat the heat so far this year. That's got to count for something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then they fought against the bucks losing to the Raptors by 18 is a tough scene, but you only lost to the nets by a few. So it's like, a lot of these games, you only lost the Raptors by three. It's like they are in and close in a lot of these games. They have just got to start figuring out who is their go-to guys to close out the game. And, and they got to get healthy. They got to get some guys back. Mm-hmm. I mean, get, get Warren and Levert is back. And, and, and get those guys, you know, into the system. Because that's, again, the, the only way you get used to a new coach's system is by playing games in the system. And then the guys being hurt, it, it, it'll come around. This This team will come around. Will they be a playoff team? I'm not sure. Yeah, it might take a little while, but will they be the worst or the second worst team in the East? I would be shocked. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I, I think that we're in a little bit. Carlisle. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to our next team here. Let's go back, bounce back to the Western Conference. Let's talk about the uh, defending Western Conference champion, Phoenix Suns. Yeah, not a, not exactly the the start that you would want coming off of what has got to be one of the best seasons you've had as a franchise. Yeah, they are 2 and 3 right now, good for 10th in the uh the Western Conference and the, and they they've had some bad luck overall, but the, overall they, they they have struggled. They have not shot the ball well. They are the uh 26th ranked three-point shooting team at 31%. Which oh, is man. not good. And they only average 105 points per game while giving up an average of 110 points per game. Do you know if they take the least amount of threes out of anyone in the NBA? They take nine per game. No, no, no. That they make nine. They take twenty nine. Three point five. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're they, right. They take twenty nine, but they only make. So nine they a game. make the they least. make nine threes a game. So they make the least brutally amount of threes. bad. <laughs> I was like, how do you only shoot nine threes a game? Um. Yeah that 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 shows in their Devin Booker shooting twenty eight percent. DeAndre or Jay Crowder shooting twenty two percent. Uh, Cameron Payne shooting 16%. I mean, and Devin Booker is shooting 28% on six attempts a game. I mean, they do have some guys shooting well. Chris Paul shooting 41, Mikael Bridges shooting 42, but then DeAndre Ayton shooting 25%. Jay Crowder shooting 22% on a six attempts a game. Cameron Johnson isn't shooting the ball very well at 34%. And then campaign again, scraping the bottom of the barrel here at 16%. Yeah. The, the Phoenix suns are, are weird, right? Because I want to say that what they're going through right now might have, might be like their version of a championship hangover. Like they did not expect to make it to the conference finals. It was kind of just like a a great run. And so now they come into this season and they have all these expectations like, Oh, like we should be like one of the best teams in the, in the West. We proved that we're one of the best teams in the West and you come out and the West is still really, really good. And the West is kind of popping you in the mouth a little bit right now. Yeah. It, so a lot it, of the teams are losing to our Western Conference it's, teams. It's hard. I mean, they beat Cleveland, but they lost to Sacramento. They lost to Portland. They they beat the Lakers, but then they lost to Denver. Like, it's 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 a lot of, you know, 
tough games, a lot of close games. And then, yeah, you're right. The gauntlet that is the Western Conference is just brutal. Yeah. So massively disappointing. I'm going to rank them a three on the panic scale. A three? A three. Because what what I would describe this as so far is disappointing. I don't know if I'm necessarily getting like majorly panicked yet. Now the losses have looked bad and Devin Booker has looked really, really bad. DeAndre Ayton still has kind of got his own like youth stuff that he's still figuring out a little bit. And the only thing that like I'm really panicked about was, oh, we played so well last year and now we're like playing bad, like what's going on. But my, my bet would be that the Suns turn this around by the end of the year. I'm going to give them a, another four. I'm going to come in at another four okay. here, and here's why. Um, I am a little bit more panicked, and that is solely because of the whole DeAndre Ayton max extension drama, yeah. which adds a little bit of contention to the locker room, adds a little bit of, you know, like, what's going on here? Like, why can't we figure this out? Why can't we sign this guy? Which definitely bleeds in, especially how vocal the other Suns players were during the playoff run that they had last year about getting DeAndre Ayton paid. Like Chris Paul said multiple times, like, hey, we're going to get you paid. Yeah. And now the Suns aren't willing to pay him. So that that adds a little bit of my panic meter to it. And But the reason it's low is, like, they're not going to shoot the ball 31% from three all year. They're not going to shoot 46% from the field all year. These are these they, they have some really good three-point shooters. They have some really good bucket getters on this team. And the, 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 the shots will begin to fall. They're ju- you're just slumping early. Shots will begin to fall. Yeah, that's that is kind of how how I feel. So we're we're generally in the same realm. We've been kind of in the same realm for all three of our teams so far. Yeah, we haven't disagreed completely just yet. Um, Just a point or two here or there. But uh, before we move on to our last three teams here, let's take a break and try to get some taste out of vodka. Wow. Cheers, buddy. We're drinking. We're drinking vodka on Tuesday. Okay, so I do have some would you how about i read the, the flavors first so you even or do you want to take us let's take a, one sip first one little sipper how you doing over there don't watch this on youtube <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> we're just tasting vodka okay all right here you want me to guess sure do you have a guess I get vanilla. Okay. Is vanilla in there? Vanilla is in I there. I get almost a little bit of floralness, like some like floral flowery stuff. Okay, so oh go away. I don't want to sign up for the Like it, it takes like true like vanilla bean, honestly. Okay, so um appearance, crystal clear. Nope. I got that far. No shit. <laughs> Aroma. It smells clean. Like I feel like when ah, you smell, yes. when it you smells, smell, it smells like vodka. It smells, <laughs> it smells like something I would wipe the counter with to kill all bacteria. Thank you. Um, it's uh, the aroma: white pepper, spirity, spirity spice with faint but discernible grilled sweet corn. Do you not, get the discernible grilled sweet corn? It's not floral. <laughs> um, the taste. Slightly sweet with creamy mouthfeel and cracked pepper and cracked black pepper spice. Clean minerality with grain character evident and a faint hint of tinned sweet corn. Aftertaste, slightly hot black pepper finish with faint lingering Brazil nuts. The hell's a Brazil nut? It's a Brazil nut. It's a a nut from Brazil. Don't fight me. (laughs) (laughs) I, um... I, I will go on record saying I'm not a vodka drinker. No, you're not I, a vodka. I, guy. I avoid it at all costs. Um, I just don't like the taste of vodka. That being said, if I had to choose a vodka to drink, Tito's would be my go-to. Yeah, I mean Tito's is kind of like the. It's really famous, but it's also specifically famous down here because it's like the first legal distillery, and it's become the most popular vodka out of Texas. But the funny thing is vodka just tastes like vodka. It I is mean, it is what it is. If you asked me at the beginning of this podcast to take a shot of whiskey and like try to discern it, I'd be like, whiskey tastes like whiskey. So I'm sure if we did like a vodka month yes. and we just tasted vodka for a while, 
we might be able to get some different flavors. But we might get I, there. I am not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's funny because like a giant billboard outside the front of my apartment is Tito's vodka flavored vodka. That's it. I was like, I love that. Like they know exactly what they are because vodka just tastes like vodka. You are right because if we were to taste this, like drink vodka a lot more because Russians are a, a good testament to this, you can t- tell the difference between good and bad vodka. Oh yeah. So I there's got to be flavors if, you can pick out of it. Yeah, I mean, and and they do have flavored vodka. We we need to talk about that. They do they do have flavored vodka. Some out pinnacle there. whipped cream vodka. Yeah, oh, or some God. burnettes. How about oh, a Burnett's epi- that's, episode? That's bad vodka. Where we just die. <laughs> that's the bad vodka. But yes, you can take the taste the difference between good and bad po- Wow, bad vodka. This is the good vodka. I tried doing the thing where like you like with the whiskey, I'll like swish it around my mouth a little bit. I tried doing that and I almost threw up. I'm telling you right now, I think our social media posts will just be me and your faces after taking <laughs> after shots. drinking the vodka. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay I, if you I'll, tell, it, I'll tell it, you what i'll tell you what it is it is it's a it's it's uh oh god it's a 6.5 <laughs> because it's vodka it's not it's just it's vodka okay I'll, if we get more vodka on here maybe i'll become more of a connoisseur but it's a six and a half it tastes like vodka it's good in my sprite it's less good by just like swirling around your mouth for those of you who haven't watched us on youtube before look this episode up because <laughs> And then scrub forward to this part if you don't want to listen to the whole thing again. But man, some of the faces we are making is just brutal. Six and a half. Where yeah. Six at? and a half. Um, I'm gonna go five point seven. Five point seven. Because I, love I it. don't love vodka. I don't. That being said, if I were ranking any other vodka, I'd give it like a two. But this is a good vodka. Like, all right, here we go. I'm gonna finish this off and not make a face. I'm like Shaq. Have you seen on TNT? Oh yeah. <laughs> so for those who haven't seen it, there's a thing on TNT where Shaq took a bite of like the world's spiciest chip. Yeah. He's like, I'm not gonna make a face. <laughs> this is like, you. He ends up like crying and like demanding milk, and the crew's like, Where are we gonna get milk, Shaq? This is a <laughs> TV <get> studio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm not gonna make a face, dude. That's like a quarter of a shot. Don't be a pussy. Just do it. <sighs> There, there was a twinge. There was a, <laughs> it's the afterburn. Not a face. Afterburn. I didn't make a face. The afterburn that got you. I'm crying, but I didn't make a face. Okay, we are. Uh, we're gonna get mo- scooting along here, though. All right, let's move on to our our next team here. Um, let's talk about a team that uh, <laughs> that is near and dear to your heart, Mitch. Which mm. Mitch, Mitch campaigned for this team a little bit, but I think I think there's a little bit more here than just their record. The Trailblazers are, are our next team here. So the team that everyone in the NBA media sphere or Twitter sphere or whatever is uh, has been pushing to trade their star player, Damian Lillard. Everybody wants to hashtag free Lillard. Um, and Dame has come off t- the, the, to start this season on the coldest stretch of his career. This is the coldest seven game stretch of his career, which looks really bad because it's only the first seven games. So that's like his entire stats. I'm going to read you these stats real quick. Oh, man, I'm going to so close my ears. So is averaging 18 points a game, eight mis- 8.6 assists, the, four rebounds. That's the thing is he finds a way to like still contribute. Three turnovers um, while shooting whew, 34% from the field, so six for 18 roughly, and then 23% from three on nine attempts a game. <laughs> Yeah, it hurts. Which is crazy because CJ McCollum is shooting 43% from three on 10 attempts a game. So you have one guy who could not be any hotter. CJ is scorching. Yeah. 40%, 43% on 10 attempts a game. That's crazy. And then you cannot have a guy who's colder on, again, crazy ball. That's 19 threes a game. One guy could not be hotter. The other guy could not be colder. Maybe Dame is playing the long con where he's letting CJ go off so he can boost his trade value so we can trade him for someone good i mean 40 chess that is crazy um looking at your numbers here you guys are eighth in the nba in scoring at 112 points games so getting buckets actually isn't your problem here looking at the other ones you don't shoot a lot of free throws and then um you're actually third in the 
you're eighth in the NBA in three point percentage. Even yeah. with Dame tanking your your stuff, everyone else is going off. Honestly, your actual league overall like percentages and like rankings aren't that bad until you get to the defensive end, and then things. How look- bad? I mean, how bad is it like league wide rank? on defense for some of this stuff 18th overall you're 26 in steals you uh give up the most assists in the nba if that matters um let's see your opponent's three point percentage is 40 percent, so 24th or yeah 37 percent. i apologize 25th um in the league okay yeah and you give up a ton of threes you, you your opponents shoot on average 43s a game well, Harrison Barnes lit us up for like 40 points and like hit like 10 threes on his own. Yeah, defensively, you just you're giving up a lot of good looks because your teams are shooting 45% overall against you guys. So here's the things to be worried about. You're obviously worried about what Dame is doing. You're worried that you're under 500 and you're worried about the way that you've gotten to a lot of these games in that when you're winning, the wins have looked really good. Like that win against the Suns, like we kicked the Suns ass, won by like 30 points or something like that. And, uh, but then we've had horrible games where we've lost by 30 points. And it's just the absolute inconsistency that's going on. You know, there's a few bright spots. Anthony Simons has looked really, really good. Larry Nance has looked really good. The bench, honestly, is looking pretty solid. But the other night, we were closing the, we were closing the game with, Dame, CJ, Norm, Anthony, and Larry Nance against the Sixers. We had four point guards on the floor. That's a coach who doesn't know what he's like. He's just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping. Well, you know what he's sticks. doing? He put the four guys that were like playing best, but the four guys who are playing best are are all four guards, and it's like, what are we doing here right now? And so there's a lot. There's stuff to be concerned about. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the losses have just looked bad. I mean, your loss to the Clippers, eighty six to one sixteen. Yeah, that's a brutal loss. And then you beat Memphis, which is a good win. You beat the Clippers again, which is a good win. You're lost to Charlotte. Charlotte's a good team, but like I feel like Charlotte's a team that the Blazers should beat. Yeah, and that's you, how you were pretty handled in that game. Yeah, um, and then they you went, lost. They went like crazy on threes. That yeah, game. and then you lost to Philly. But the big thing with Philly is they didn't have Joel Embiid or Tobias Harris or and, Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons. So. This was the role players of the 76ers beating the, our our fully healthy team. And so that puts them at three and four, which is ninth in the Western Conference. And yes, the record doesn't scream panic meter, but they, their overall situation, I mean, again, where there's smoke, there's fire. Dame says he doesn't want to leave. And so and the organization says he doesn't, he, he's not leaving. But I mean, if they continue to struggle, Dame watch is going to be a definite thing. Mitch, where are you putting them? Okay. I am going to put the Blazers at a, a four. I think we're a four on the panic meter. I think that we are, we don't need, we don't need to be over panicking about stuff. Dame still pledges his undying love to the city of Portland, Oregon. That guy. As stupid as it sounds. <laughs> dude, that is, that dude is the definition of a ride or die person. He is going down with the ship, ladies and he gentlemen. He is, and I am going down with the Blazers and the Damian Lillard ship the whole way. Uh, I cost him the Hall of Fame, <laughs> but he's going down with the ship. I think he's pretty certainly Hall of Fame at this point. That's a whole other can of beans we don't need to open. Anyways, um, you still have Damian Lillard that says he wants to be there. You have CJ that is popping off. You have a lot of pieces that came in this year that are starting to look good. The defense is at least looks like it's putting effort out there. I think it's they're still going to run into a personnel problem, but at least you're trying on defense. Um, and your head coach is really well liked by Damian Lillard, but is just trying to figure it out right now. So panicking, yes, but not over panicking. So four. I'd give him a six. Okay. And because the reasoning here is you you're trying to convince Dame to stay. And yes, he says he's going to stay, but this is the NBA and players change their minds all the time. Not Damian Lillard. (laughs) As much as you don't want to, you guys are not putting up your best foot in terms of, hey, Dame, we can win here because you guys made no moves this offseason to help you guys get better. Yes, CJ's playing well. Yes, you know, uh, some of your other role players are playing well, but your problems are still here, which are you guys don't have the personnel to play good defense and you are living and dying by crazy Damian Lillard jump shots. And if he doesn't go nuclear, you guys lose. And if he does go nuclear, you guys win. And so that's why I put it a little bit higher. I will say that they've won a couple of games with like Dame being, I mean, the they've won three games and Dame has been bad. <laughs> I think he scored 20 points in like one of those games. 
So we found other ways to win, but yes, I'm, I'm with you. We, we are definitely panicking. All right, let's move on to our next team here, which would be the Los Angeles Clippers who are currently, hold on, let me pull them up two and four. 11th in the Western Conference. Um, They did win their last game against the Thunder in a comeback crazy fashion. And the thing here that is most concerning is the fact that Paul George is going off currently so far this year. He He is averaging 28 points per game, three steals a game, eight rebounds, four assists while shooting 41% from three and 49% from the field. You could, you've had the best Paul George that you could possibly have. And yet you're still only two and four. Dude, he is very close to a 50, 40, 90, 28 point per game, three steal start to the season. Like he's been as, he's might be the hottest player in the NBA to start the year. He he is playing as good as one Paul George can play. He's played this good once, maybe twice before in his career, and we are talking about him being an MVP candidate. Yeah, he again. You are looking at a guy who's probably been the best overall player in the NBA so far. I mean, he's in the conversation. Even if he's not, he's in the top five. Yeah, and yet you're still 25th in the NBA in scoring, and at 102 points per game. And it's scary because it's like you don't have a lot of like young pieces that you're relying on to potentially pop. Um, Man can definitely pop this season. I think they kind of need man to take a big step up if they're going to start winning more games. Having a Baca back healthy someday would certainly help things. But um, uh, Nick Batum is not making it happen. Reggie Jackson just isn't making it happen. The, The supporting cast... I've seen a couple of games where Luke Kennard went crazy bonkers on fire for a couple of those games and they won those ones. But outside of that, they've just had a hard time with their rotation guys and they're not getting young. Yeah. The other players, the others here are not in a good spot. I mean, this is a hard spot for this team to be just because they were in like win now mode and then Kawhi got hurt. And then it's like, well, we have this weird gap year yet. We still have all these win now players mm-hmm. that aren't getting any younger. The part that is surprising to me the most is this team is getting brutalized on the boards. They're 27th in the NBA in total rebounding, which is just brutal. And then they also are shooting poorly from three, um, which at 20 at 32%, that's 21st in the league. Yeah, it's a bad combination to not make threes and then also not get any of those offensive rebounds. And that's kind of just your life when you play small ball fours like Batum or Marcus Morris at your fours. And then your fives are Zubach and Hartenstein. And I will say Zubach, I think, is underrated as far as the NBA goes and like the fandom of NBA goes. But I don't think that he's amazing. I don't know if I'm like really jazzed about him being my starting center. And that's kind of where they're at. He's the only real big man. Hardenstein isn't that great either. You have Hardenstein, you have Ibaka, you have other big guys, but Subach is the only true center on the roster, which is a bit concerning. I mean, another thing to point out here is this team is sixth overall in defense. So they still hang their hat defensively like they have in years past, but they just, they're not making shots. They're not getting rebounds. It's just a clunky, like weird year. So where are you putting putting them on the uh, panic meter? Um, I am going to put them at, I'm going to put them at a seven. Really? I have them at a seven. I, so I will say going into the season, the Clippers were kind of the team that I vouched for putting them lower in our power rankings. And I had them lower in our standings because I thought I kind of saw this coming a little bit. I didn't think Paul George would be playing the way that he was, that he's been playing, but I saw like kind of a dip in production for this team, especially without Kawhi and I don't see how they help themselves. Like you already have a good coach. You already have all the pieces that took you to what you thought could be a championship the last two years, you know, obviously sans Kawhi, but Kawhi's not coming back anytime soon. There's a very real possibility that Kawhi doesn't play at all this year, especially if the Clippers don't play well. And and that's where I differ from you is that I'm giving them a four again. Yeah. I'm, I'm big for this podcast, <laughs> but the reason I give them a four is because Kawhi's not coming back this year. So this year doesn't really matter. But your it does. Job, because your, Kawhi could still leave. Your job this year is to basically ride it out, get everyone back next year healthy, and then go for another run. You're in win-now mode. You lost your best player. Now you're just kind of like waiting until he comes back. And so everyone here is just like, well, let's win some games. Let's be competitive. Let's put some butts in seats and wait for Kawhi to come back, and then we make our run again. 
And that's totally fair, especially if the whole team does run it back, but you're going to need to reconfigure this roster by next year. And it is, it's a lost year inside of this Paul George Kawhi era, which you spent like 10 draft picks on. Yeah, it, it is tough in that aspect, but they're, they're, they're coming back. You're going to get these guys back. And it's a perfect time for Ty Lue to basically look at the rest of the roster and be like, all right, this is a trial run for everyone else. I have mm-hmm. a year to tinker with the others and figure out where my others are and who my others are and who can we bring in to help when we get Kawhi back, who is here to stay for this championship run that they're going to go on a year from now and who is going to be leaving. Yeah. Also, is there a Bledsoe curse? Like wherever wherever Bledsoe goes, they're just not very good. Hold on. Let me look up Bledsoe's stats here just to, just to defend the man or maybe ruin him. He is shooting 35% from the field. 15% 15% from three and averaging nine points a game with three turnovers. The Bledsoe curse, Bledsoe, man. in his second stint with the Clippers has been That's right. truly horrible. Oh, yeah. That, that might be a thing. The old Bledsoe curse. That is awful. All right. Who's our last team Anyways, here? we have one last team, and I think I would put them as the most underachieving team in the NBA, and that would be the Boston Celtics. Man, this is, they are in dangerous territory. Very, very dangerous territory. These dudes suck. I, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm a 10. I'm Full a 10. 10? Full 10. Full 10. This roster doesn't work. The Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum pairing doesn't work. Their new coach they brought in. He, I mean, it's early, but th- this roster doesn't work as constructed. You need to blow it up. You, Jason Tatum is too damn good to not be competitive. And you need to blow it up. Jalen Brown's got to go. Marcus Smart's got to go. You got to take this thing down to the studs. By the studs, I mean just Jason Tatum is the only non-negotiable here. And then rebuild from scratch. So I'm I'm going to put the Celtics at an eight. Because they definitely are panicking. They are big time panicking. However, this is still the same core, generally speaking, that was making conference finals. That was good enough to make the conference finals. Now I'm going to throw this out there. What if there's a world that Jason Tatum is not better than Jalen Brown? That might be the world, but Jason, you can get away with trading J- Jalen Brown right now as the Celtics. You're not getting away with J- trading Jason Tatum. But what if you can get that more? fan base will form a mutiny. If you get rid of Jason Tatum, what if it's like, okay, like you could get, uh, say a Damian Lillard, but we're not training him for Jalen Brown, but we'll train him for Jason Tatum. Are you thinking about it? No, not really? Even a little bit. No, not even a little, not bit. even a little bit. Interesting. No, because I don't think a core of, I mean, Damian Lillard and Jalen Brown will get us to the Eastern conference finals and that, that'll help us, you know, in, you know, the next three, four years, but Jason Tatum is going to be the face of the NBA for the next 10 years. Yeah, he definitely He's going to be one of the best players in the NBA for the next 10 years. Jalen Brown might be, but Jason Tatum is going to be. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's where if I'm the owner or the GM of the Celtics, I was like, I can't that guy's on again. I will have fans banging down my front door if I trade Jason Tatum. Now, Jalen Brown's a different exception and looking at their numbers. It kind of it's very interesting. They're the fourth best offensive team in the NBA this year. And and I didn't say this at the beginning. They are two and five 12th in the East. Um, They are the worst defensive team in the NBA this year. They give up 119.7 points per game. Wow. Dead last in the NBA. They've got some good defenders on their team. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all good defenders. Al Horford, all good defenders. They are the worst defensive team in the NBA this year. Man, I, I that makes me wonder is this is this potentially a coaching thing? They um, foul the most in the NBA this year. They get they foul 22.3 times a game. You know what that most. sounds like to me? That sounds like a frustrated team. Like you start like you start fouling a lot when you're getting really frustrated about how things are going. I'm with you. I I kind of think that you need to start ripping the studs out. I, I maintain my eight because at the end of the day, you still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You got two of the best young players in the in the league. And then you got a lot of good trade pieces outside of that. Now, do they need to rip it up? Probably. The can they write out this season? Yes, because they have most all of their guys on long contracts that so they're gonna end up trading all these dudes eventually. But this, this, this is bad. 
This is not good for these guys. This team, I mean, and you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown averaging 26 and 25 points per game. So yeah. Both of them are playing well. They're putting up 50 together. They're putting game. up 50 between the two of them. Their pace is uncre- unreal. They're the fastest team in the NBA. They shoot 96.3 shots a game, which is a lot. But they also, the, their pace is unreal because their opponents shoot 93.9 shots a game, which is the most. I kind of hope they turn it around. I'm always a big Celtic, and I also really like uh, Ime Udoka, their new coach. I, I hope that they can turn this around, but my gut tells me is that they are a playing team, like a playing game team. And what happens with that, I don't know. Because they could fall, just be the seventh seed and then fall out of the playoffs because they lose. You arguably have the best young core in the NBA. You have two yep. all-stars under the age of like 25. And it's not working. And it's not working. So I'm, I'm, I mean, it's early. You're seven games in, but if you get to, you know, the 10, 15 game mark and you are not better then hang it up and start you shopping can't, You people. can't just start trading that suit. You've you gotta, can start shopping people. I think what you, you might not have to shop Jalen Brown, but you can stop shopping everybody else. I think what you probably do is you wait most of the season and then come trade deadline, you make a couple of moves to try to salvage the season, what is left of it, and then come the offseason. That's when you make all of your big, big moves. And this will be Brad Stevens, like, not his first, because he was hired at the beginning of this year, but this is really, that'll be his first, like, real offseason of being it all him and no Danny Ainge. And that's the other thing that I'm going to mention here, which is a tough spot for Ime Odoka. And I've said this before on the podcast. Imagine you come in, you, you get this new head coaching job, and the guy you replaced is your boss. Yeah. That guy's breathing down your neck the whole time. Like he knows X's and O's. He might not agree with your X's and O's and he's your boss, but his X and O's also failed. It's a good point. And so that, that whole (laughs) dynamic to me makes no sense. I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, their whole dynamic makes sense and both, you know, people are happier where they're at, but that whole, like I replaced you and now you're my boss, but now I get to make decisions on the court, but you know about making decisions on the court, but you are all about personnel, but I also have to deal with your personnel. That whole dynamic is ludicrous that that, that's the way the Boston Celtics decided to handle it. We'll see how it works out. It's not working great. Well, I can tell you right now, it's not working great. (laughs) We are very early into this whole thing, which I think is a good preface for everything we've talked about today. Um, It is still very early. We it got, is early. It's really early. We are talking panic meters, but it is definitely early. And so it's always fun because this is totally panic mode. We joked earlier um, a couple podcasts ago during the preseason where it's like we are in like lovey-dovey fantasy world where every team can still in theory be good and like every team can still make the playoffs. And now we are in the seven to ten games where you had enough to watch of your team to start evaluating but not enough to know exactly what they are. So now we are in the panic mode, which is a perfect time for our panic meter podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, We will be back with you guys again next week with another fun topic. We'll bring back back with some more news and notes, but we'll also, you know, have some fun things to talk about along the way. Shout out to Tito's handmade vodka uh, out of Austin for joining us today. Our first Tito's, our first vodka podcast first vodka podcast yeah which is we'll see if we do more we don't know we don't know (laughs) we're more of whiskey boys check out our instagram um for some fun faces of us trying to take sips of vodka and taste it because (laughs) i don't believe vodka is made for tasting i think it's made for other reasons but uh thank you guys for joining we'll see you guys next week cheers cheers (laughs) 